0: Good morning. morning. I'm going to start out things a little differently this morning. The Lord uh, gave me a a specific word, a special word for the youth that are here. So I'm going to define the youth as anybody under the age of uh, 50. But so was very gracious in saying that. I could have raised that. Um, And so I wanted to put this first because uh, the youth, you are as much of a body as the adults are. And um, the word that he has given to me for the youth is found in First Timothy chapter 4 verse 12. Let no one despise your youth, but be an example to the believers in word, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, in purity. Till I come, give attention to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. And the last time that I spoke, I, I spoke on wisdom and i would just say as a teenager as a youth as a youngster i don't know what goes on in your mind or your head during the sermon time but the lord does and what he specifically wanted to encourage you with is the fact that he is not a respecter of persons if you are here this morning in church you are a part of this body That's not by accident, that's by design. There is not a certain age in which then all of a sudden you start to download and take in wisdom, insight, understanding. The moment you tell when you're growing up uh, (laughs) and you start to reach for something and your parents tell you no, that process of wisdom is already starting But to a a greater truth is the fact that the Lord wants to use you as much as he wants to use the adults, and he doesn't distinguish. And so to that point, I want to cite at least three examples. Timothy, Paul's spiritual son, Daniel and david now there are more in the bible besides just these three that i could throw out there but when you look at what these people did these youngsters did in simple obedience um, one night and here's one more samuel samuel sound asleep he hears a voice oh it must be eli i'm going to go to eli well he responded to that voice with as much as he knew. Then Eli enlightened him just a little bit. He says, the next time you hear that voice, this is what I want you to do. So there we see the interaction between an older person and a younger person in the terms of moving him forward in a step in his relationship with the Lord and what the Lord wanted to say and do. And so the next time when he spoke, Samuel said, speak, Lord, your servant hears. He presented himself to him and said, okay, what you, what's the next step? What do you want me to do? I'm listening. David. When David David is out tending sheep, he's, he's the low man on the totem pole and he's out there doing a job nobody else likes to do. We don't know a whole lot about David except what it says in the scripture that he was out there and he's watching over the sheep and yes, he beat, he fights off a lion, he fights off a bear. But inside, internally, his character, there's only two things we know. And that is, first of all, God has a plan for him to anoint him as king. So he's called. He has no idea, but God says he looks at the heart. He saw his heart. He's the one. The second thing, as far as David goes, is that in terms of his spiritual upbringing, we don't have a clue until he gets into the field of battles. Yes, there's a little insight when he, he fends off the bear and the lion, but that he also remembers that on the field of battle. But the thing that comes forward in that moment when he does a simple task in obedience to his father and goes and, That was not just something that he picked up. Oh, that's a nice little... T- Daniel... A youngster, again, his his tribe as part of a judgment. They were taken, he was taken into captivity on purpose. They made no secret about it. He was taken into captivity by the Babylonians. Their purpose was to take these people, to assimilate them into their culture, that they were going to learn their ways, that they were going to worship their gods, that they were going to do as they did, and that was the end of it. They're there to be an aid and a resource for us and that we work them and use them to their fullest advantage. But we see that Daniel said, no way. And what part of what we see in the life of Daniel is that he stuck true to his convictions that he was a man of prayer. Even when it became the law of the land, you can't pray. That didn't stop him. He opened the windows and he prayed. But here was a man who stuck to the convictions that God worked in his heart and purposed in his heart, was intentional in his heart, and didn't compromise. This is a youngster. With that openness of heart, God used him to do mighty things and navigated him through some pretty amazing situations. But he didn't back down even when he was thrown into the lion's den. As a matter of fact, the the opposition said, we can't find anything wrong with this guy and what he practices and what he does with his his convictions. So we're going to have to take a different tact. But in the end because he stayed true, because he responded to God. What did God do? The king, through Daniel, made a decree that the God that Daniel worships will be the God of this land. So, in just a simple stepping out, a simple act of faith, God that pleases the Lord, and God takes that, one step to another step and another step to accomplish his purpose. And as I shared the last time about wisdom, God sees the whole picture. It's not a roll of the dice. He sees everything in conjunction from beginning to end. Timothy, Paul's spiritual son, there are two epistles in the New Testament that are devoted to Timothy. And that verse I just read, do not despise, let no man despise you. Don't be intimidated. I could have read on here in that. He says, do not neglect that is the gift that is in you. If you don't know what your gift is, ask God. Pray. Then he says, meditate in verse 15, meditate on these things. Give yourself entirely to them. Give yourself entirely to God. Now, maybe you never thought about that before, but I I tell you as surely as I'm up here, God wanted me to address the youth, people that are younger than me, specifically. And that you are a part of this body. You have something to give. And if you're willing to step out, let me tell you, You think the first time I step out it was just a walk in the park? It wasn't. But I tell you that you are in a safe haven in this body. This is not a firing squad. This is not that we have stones under the seat in case something is wrong. We can have faith to move mountains, but if we don't have love, we are nothing. This is a safe haven. And if not here, in the home groups, that is the safe place to step out, to learn, to grow, and what the Lord wants to invest in you and work through you and give to us as a body. Because without you, we're incomplete. One of the other things that he told David, uh, Timothy, is that, Timothy, God has not given you a spirit of fear but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And we who are older in the congregation, we have the opportunity to help nurture that promise, to help nurture their gifts, to help nurture them in their hearing the voice of the Lord and and growing in them that confidence to be willing to step out and I will tell you that God in my my stepping out God has bent over backwards to work with me to say this is me talking you've tested it out and it's okay to test out you can do this because I'm giving you the grace I'm giving you the anointing I'm giving you the desire to do it and one last thing that I would just um, say is this. In Matthew, we're all familiar with the words in Matthew eleven twenty eight, where he says, Come unto me all you that are weary and are heavy laden. But there's a verse, verse 25, ahead of that, where he says, he's praying to the Father, and he says, Father, you have hidden these things from the wise and prudent and revealed these unto babes. Steve the last time he preached he talked about us coming as little children if we cannot come as little children we will suffer the same fate as Jesus prayed about those people he has hidden these things from the wise and the prudent the wise and the prudent being wise in their own eyes wise in their own understanding wise that they've got their act together you kids, you youngsters, you teenagers I'm incorporating that whole group. I'm incorporating people as young as David and Ashley's little kids. He wrote to Timothy, continue in the things which you have learned and have been assured of, knowing of whom you have learned them, and that from a child, a babe carrying arms, you have known the holy scriptures, which are able... To make you wise unto salvation. So I just want to leave those words with you. Pray about them. If you've got more questions, come ask me. Come talk to your mom and dad. And ask lots of questions. Don't ever be ashamed to ask questions. Now, we'll take a word of prayer and we'll go on with the rest lord thank you thank you lord your eye is on each one of us and you know what each one of us has need of you are the one who gives us daily bread it is your words that sustain us it is your words that enlighten us it is your words that empower us it is your words that break the power of sin it's your word your word is life your word is truth your word is light and you prosper in the thing that you sent it forth to do. Lord, I pray that you would take these words and that you would speak to your glory. Your ways are unsearchable, Lord. You are the only wise God Your wisdom goes beyond our understanding. We can't get there from here, but you can and did. We give you this time in Jesus' name, amen. So just in the way of a, a, the last time I spoke, in, in the way of a quick review, hmm. I shared the verse from Romans eleven thirty three. 33. Oh, the depth of the, of the riches both of the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. As I just prayed, we can't get there from here. We don't have a clue. And... Um, As I shared the last time, I shared that we have a new address, that is we live in Christ. He is our dwelling place. And so in learning to dwell in this new dwelling place, and that is in our relationship with him, wisdom is, and talking about prosperity, Prosperity may not be something that you readily think of right away, but it is an integral part of prosperity. Warren has said in times past that faith is the currency of God. Well, I agree with that statement. But if you have money, if you have currency, you're going to think about, you're going to, What's important to invest in or not invest in? And that's where wisdom comes in. What do you do? And so, in terms of this message today, um, I guess I'm going to disclose my age here a little bit. How many of you have ever seen the program Green Acres? I see a few here. Here's a man who was in this city who so desperately wanted to have a farm and he had no clue what this farm looked like. And uh, he's just singing, Green Acres is the place to be. Oh yeah, until you see the place. And it is held together by baling wire and shutters hanging off a phone on top of a utility pole, um, a tractor that I'd be ashamed to call a tractor, and corn that looks like it was left over from the antique road show out in a field that's just dilapidated. That, I tell you, is what our life looks like without Christ. Christ. I hope that was a graphic to pick enough picture. I was being nice, by the way. And then you got a guy like Mr. Haney that comes along trying to give you a deal on this or that. But it is as faulty and as unproductive as all get out, looking to sucker him in to get some more of his money. So in this our relationship with the Lord, we have a spiritual Mr. Haney who is much more diabolical, whose aim is to steal, to kill, and to destroy. A lot and far more worse So let me be perfectly clear that if we are Christ's house, he is purposeful and he is intent that our house, that our life reflects his life. That the life, the life he wants us to have is abundant. The life that he wants us to have is fruitful and productive. And though outwardly, we may not be much to look at inwardly we have a great treasure and he is he is sprucing up he spares no expense to redeem to restore to deliver to make brand new this body from the inside out so that we pass from death to life and the house that you have in Christ is a mansion I'm talking about his greatness his unsearchableness his ways working in you and through you the one who has plans for you plans for welfare and not for calamity In Proverbs chapter 24, we find these words Through wisdom a house is built, and by understanding it is established. By knowledge, the rooms are filled with all precious and pleasant riches. Him being a carpenter, him knowing what every room in the house of our life, our lives needs. Wisdom is a lifelong process. We will never, we will never learn all there is to know about God or the unsearchableness of his ways. Not on this side of Glory. He did the heavy lifting and it made me think of a worship song in that what he undertook for us, he came from heaven to earth to show the way. From the cross to the grave, my debt to pay. From the grave to the sky, Lord, I lift your name on high. Wisdom is not getting more smarts. Wisdom is in knowing him in a lifelong process. And so, the last time I spoke, I shared several points. And, I, and the first one, you know, as I, as I delved into that and as I delved into this again, I, I found myself kind of almost like going to overload and just looking at one attribute of God in this thing of wisdom. There is an abundance. But that's a good thing because that signifies that, there, that he left no stone unturned no stone unturned for us, no area of our life up to chance, nothing, nothing. He left nothing to conjecture. He lays up sound wisdom for the righteous. And that is that whenever, when we undertake a task or he leads us to undertake a task, it means to substantiate, to help Undertake that task whatever that may be and that will take time and the thing with wisdom and, and is that there are no shortcuts and his wisdom it's indispensable we can't do without it from the time we wake up to the time we lay our head down on the pillow there are choices that we will make there are things that we will say there are things that we will do that if we don't have wisdom the, and what to say, what to do, or what not to do, doing the right thing at the right time in the right way to accomplish the greatest goal by the greatest means possible, and that's a John Piper quote. That's wisdom. And without it, the, alternate, the alternative is the, the, there's a way that seems right unto man, but the end thereof is the way of death. And then in this whole, this whole process, he's given us his Holy Spirit to guide us into all truth, not push us into truth, to guide us into all truth, and to bring all things to our remembrance. Now, one of the reasons why I wanted to repeat these things is that these things all work in conjunction with one another at the same time. These, these things all come into play. You can't take one without these other things not happening. So in preparing for this, this is like the place in the film where they, where they pause it. And that's what I did. And I said, Lord, help me break this down. So while you could take any one of these points and make a sermon out of any one of these points and more, a series, a month long series, these points are crucial because a lot of times we, oh, we get this idea, boom, we go and we execute it. But let's rewind that film a little bit and let's expand it and let's see what just happened. And look at how these components come together to be able to make this to happen. That, to me, is mind-boggling. Let me give you an an example here. Tom had told this story about a worship leader who was going to lead worship, and there was a certain song that God, God had put on his heart that he wanted this worship leader to do. And... He argued with God. He wasn't going to do it. Um, This, uh, And so there was some time that went by, and uh, this argument continued on, and he didn't do it. But finally, there came a Sunday when the worship leader gave in and said, okay, I'll do the song. And there was somebody that came that Sunday that needed to hear that song. And God touched that man's life by that song. I can't wrap my head around that, that God knew the temperament of this man. He knew exactly how long he was gonna fight before he caved in. And God worked all of that to still produce that result. To me, that is amazing. We serve an awesome God who, with our frailties, who, with our failings, that doesn't stymie him. He doesn't say, oh, shoot, back to the drawing board. Biblical wisdom has God at the very core of it. Biblical wisdom. Wisdom is found in the person of Christ. And it it is who he is. It it is one of his attributes. He always factors into it. His wisdom. I shared the other time I spoke. Creation. Creation testifies to his wisdom. The way things, as vast and as broad, if, if there was just one of those planets that went out of alignment, if there was just one thing that was out of kilter, the results would be disastrous. But it says that the universe is held together by the word of his power. It says in Ecclesiastes 3.14 that when God does something, no man can add to it. No man can take away from it. And God does it so that men should fear him. And the greatest masterpiece of all in terms of his wisdom being on display was the plan of salvation. From our perspective, from the disciples' perspective, they thought it was lost, the plan failed. But from God's perspective, everything went flawlessly, and the cross that was meant to kill was the way of salvation. To me the creation, to me the plan of salvation, these are impeccable credentials. And so today kind of where I wanted to go is, let me, let me start by saying this again, that there are several different words that the Bible uses to describe wisdom. And the most predominant word means skill. To be skilled in a trade, to be skilled in behavior, to be skilled in battle. Another word that... uh, in proverbs chapter 2 verse 7 where it uses it says he lays up sound wisdom for the righteous that's where it means to substantiate support help in an undertaking the new testament when we read that passage that most of us are familiar with um, in terms of uh, if any man lack wisdom let him come and ask for wisdom means broad and full of intelligence And there's one other word that's used to describe uh, <clears throat> wisdom. And in Proverbs 1.3, it talks about receiving the, the benefit of instruction, the instruction of the wise. And that means wise behavior. So... Today there there were just two points that I, I wanted to really then build off of from where I was before. And the first one is the importance of wisdom. When we look at the the book of Proverbs, this is a book that is written by a king. But I want to submit to you that this book of Proverbs is written by a greater king, a king with a capital K. And in this book that is written by the king, the king of kings, he is addressing us. He's addressing those who are kings with a small K. And that's significant because what he wants us to do, he wants us to learn how to reign and rule in life with him. Not apart from him, with him, but also what is significant is knowing him. In this whole series of prosperity, one of the things that Wayne had taught on is stewardship. And you know what? If I have a relationship... Which is what he wants, and that's the success to this, if you will, is in I was talking about him doing things in an orderly fashion, so in Proverbs, he starts out in the very opening verses by saying here here are the here are the purposes to instruct to give to give prudence and and to make the simple wise, and then he goes on from there and he says in verse. A little bit farther down from there he says a wise man will hear and will increase learning and then down about verse seven he says the fear of the lord if he's not first if he's not the center if he's not at the beginning then nothing else is going to matter. Nothing else is going to be of importance. Nothing else will count. Nothing else will be productive. Nothing else will stand against the wiles of the enemy. Nothing else will produce life. If he isn't first, if we don't recognize him and see him as king and as our father, and both, both are important. And so, as I said the last time that I spoke about hearing the heart behind the words, if you look in the first, at least the first 10 chapters, he doesn't say, hey you over there, or call out a number. He says, my son, my son, my son. Or I could say, my daughter, my daughter. But it's the idea that he wants us to approach that he wants to impart things that will not only minister life and prosperous, but in the course of that, other people out there in the world are going to sit up, they're going to see, and they're going to take note. When we apply these things, they will see that we don't talk, act, or do what they do. As a matter of fact, I've got a guy now at work. Not just too long ago, he starts calling me deacon. Didn't say a word to him. Calls me deacon. Well, you can't be a deacon if your light don't shine. Oh well, that's just a little humor there. But in this, in this whole thing, in Proverbs. In Proverbs chapter 4. In Proverbs chapter 4, verse 5, he says, Get wisdom, get understanding. Do not forget, nor turn away from the words of my mouth. And then in verse 7, he says, Wisdom is the principal thing, therefore get wisdom. Now that's pretty straight to the point. The only way we get wisdom is by growing in our relationship with him, knowing him. It's not just a means to do something better or different. Yes, that's what happens. But it's the idea of knowing him, knowing his ways, Because in in the thing of stewardship, if God imparts something in terms of life, what am I going to do with it? It's the idea that if I want to be a good steward of it so that I can be transformed, that I can be changed, that I don't have to be a sucker to the spiritual Mr. Haney. That there is a better, higher road to go. Proverbs chapter 4, at the end of that verse, uh, excuse me, at the end of that chapter, um, verse 18. I like this. The path of the righteous, the path of the just, is like the shining sun that shines ever brighter unto the perfect day. No matter what the spiritual Mr. Haney satan tries to throw my way no matter what turmoil is going in the world or going on no matter what the assault this stands true the path of the righteous shines brighter and brighter until the perfect day when he comes back and takes us home and there is no power in hell that will be able to diminish the brightness no more than when you see the sun come up At the time when the rooster crows, when it's still dark, which I haven't figured out yet, but he crows. Sun's coming up. Getting brighter. More insight. More understanding. He is more anxious for us to have wisdom than we are to get it. He makes the point, get wisdom, get understanding. That's the principal thing. And as I said before, it's not automatic. We have to apply ourselves. And just let me say this about wisdom, it's not passive, it's active. God is on the move, and if He's on the move, then guess what? It's going to take action on our part. I know of no place where wisdom is passive. If God speaks, we have to listen. If God says something, we have to do it. But we do it in his power. There is no place where wisdom is passive. There is no middle ground. There is no place of arrival. It's growing and going forward. let me just put this verse out here and in uh, Proverbs chapter 3 there are other verses in Proverbs where it speaks about the blessings of wisdom in Proverbs 3 starting at verse 13 it says happy is the man who finds wisdom and the man who gains understanding for her proceeds are better than the profits of silver and her gain than fine gold she is more precious than rubies And all the things you may desire cannot compare with her. Length of days is in her right hand. In her left hand, riches and honor. Her ways are ways of pleasantness and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who take hold of her and happy are all who retain her. So I want to finish up with this last point. But before I do, I want to, I want to give another quote here from uh, A.W. Tozer. And this is speaking about the wisdom of God. This is what he says. He says, We must exercise, we must by the exercise of faith and by prayer, bring it into the practical Let me back up. It is vitally important that we hold the truth of God's infinite wisdom as a tenant of our creed. But this is not enough. We must, by the exercise of faith and by prayer, bring it into the practical world of our day-by-day experience. To believe actively that our Heavenly Father constantly spreads around us providential circumstances that work for our present good and our everlasting well-being brings to the soul a veritable benediction. Most of us go through life praying a little, planning a little, jockeying for position, hoping but never being quite certain of anything and always secretly afraid that we will miss the way. This is a tragic waste of truth and never gives rest to the heart. There is a better way. It is to repudiate our own wisdom and take instead the infinite wisdom of God. Our insistence upon seeing ahead is natural enough, but it is a real hindrance to our spiritual progress. God has charged himself with full responsibility for our eternal happiness and stands ready to take over the management of our lives the moment we turn to him in faith. So how do we get wisdom? I would offer to you to take him up at his invitations. And they are there throughout scriptures. But I want to direct your thoughts to one in particular. And that's found in, first of all, in John (laughs) chapter 6, he says this. He said, all those who come to me I will in no wise cast out. That's that's huge in the sense that he will not cast me out. And that uh, it's huge in the sense that he welcomes me. in in 2 Peter chapter 1 verse 3 there are these there are these words found and what it says there is that his divine power has granted is given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him and here's what i want here's what i want to highlight who has called us who has invited us by glory by his glory and excellent virtue by which he has given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature that we may be partakers of that same wisdom having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. So the invitation there, when it says who's called, he's inviting. If any man lacks wisdom, James 1 verse 5, if any man lacks wisdom, let him come and says God will not be critical of him. God will not put him down. He doesn't say, oh, you again, I just got done with you. No, he doesn't say that. He doesn't put us on hold. He doesn't say take a number and wait. He likes it. It pleases him when we take him up at his invitation. But there's something else that's important in our coming to him and are coming to him and taking him up by his invitation, it's important, he already knows us, but I believe there is something significant when we daily acknowledge our dependence upon him. When Solomon went, when the Lord approached, came to Solomon in a dream, and he, and he asked him the question, what do you want from me? Solomon didn't have understanding right away. What did he do? He said, Lord, you have shown steadfast love and faithfulness to your servant, and now I am but a child. You've given me this throne, you've given me a people that are too numerous to count. I can't do this on my own. I can't. I don't know how to go in, I don't know how to go out. And so I'm asking for wisdom. And it says that that pleased the Lord. I read that and I started to cry. When we acknowledge our dependence upon Him, that pleases the Lord. And it says because you didn't ask for your enemies, because you didn't ask for riches, But because you asked for wisdom, because you asked for discernment to be able to discern good and evil, I'm gonna give all this to you. In the ESV in the in Proverbs chapter four, eight, this is where I'm going with this next statement. He says, and I touched on this a little bit, but in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 8, this is right after he makes the statement, "Is wisdom is the principal thing, therefore get wisdom, and in all you're getting, get understanding. It says in verse 8, exalt her. In the ESV it says, prize her highly. Prize her highly. I like that. And she will promote you. She will bring you honor when you embrace her. Now, to me, that's pretty graphic, but it makes the point of expressing desire, of expressing value, of expressing, I need you. I'm desperate. I'm passionate. I will not settle for less. Signs of intense desire and love. In Proverbs, in Proverbs chapter 2, it's, it's a similar kind of wording, but I just am sharing it to, to uh, reinforce. And starting at verse 10, it says, when wisdom enters your heart and knowledge is pleasant to your soul, Discretion will preserve you. Understanding will keep you. To deliver you from the way of evil, from the man who speaks perverse things, from those who leave the path of uprightness, to walk in the ways of darkness, who rejoice in doing evil and delight in the perversity of the wicked. You don't have to go very far out of the house to see any one of a number of these things or to be assaulted by them. Wisdom is found in God's Word. And one of my favorite verses that speaks to this point is that we must apply ourselves to the study and meditation to know God's Word. Not too long ago, I spoke on Psalm 119. There is a man who has a magnificent obsession with about the Word of God, and that was only the first five books. But if you look at that Psalm, and I don't care where you turn into, most of the, the vast majority of verses in there talk about his delighting, his finding strength, finding whatever he needs, being wiser than his enemies in the Scriptures but also seeing the heart of God. There's a verse in Psalm 119 that says, "'Lord, turn to me and be gracious to me, "'as is your way with those who love your law.'" A couple weeks ago, when, when I started on this, I came over and I sat down next to Milt over there, and I said, that's how it is. He comes, he's the one who sticks closer than a brother. He's not a prof looking down with his glasses like this and pointing the finger and says, You better get this. There's gonna be a test. No. He's the one who comes alongside and sits down and says, Let's talk. I've got things that that I want you to have. I want things, I want you to prosper. And this is this is. This is important for you. I want to give you your daily bread. Don't miss this meal. His words are spirit and they are life. So in Psalm 119, 9 through 11, it says, wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his ways? I like that. My thinking, what I do, how I do it, what I say, what I don't say. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his ways? I need the whole package. I'm very good at sticking my foot in my mouth. Very painful, by the way. Try to pull it out. I have done it time and time again. I have a wife who should get the Purple Heart. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his ways? Just let that soak in and think about that. Maybe there's an area that you are less than proud of. Maybe there's an area you struggle with. Maybe there's an area where it just always seems like you're under the heel of that particular thing. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his ways? You fill in the blank by taking heed thereto according to thy word. With my whole heart, I'm not holding anything back. With my whole heart, I seek your face. I'm running to your arms. I'm running to your arms. The riches of your love will always be enough. You are more, you are more than my words will ever say. thy word have I treasured up in my heart that I might not miss the mark that I might be on target with you that I might find the joy of reaching your heart and walking pleasing unto you that I might not sin against you and you know what If, when we do that, that I might not miss the mark, there will come a confidence. When we do that, that's on a practical level, is how we become a good steward of our relationship with the Lord. And when we are faithful with that, when we're faithful in that little, then he will give more. He will make us faithful over much. And there's one last point, and this is the final, uh, final one. Oh, <clears throat> Matthew 7, 24 and 25. He who hears these words of mine and does them, I will liken him unto the wise man which built his house upon the rock. The rains came, the winds blew, and beat on that house vehemently. Not drizzle, vehemently, but it didn't fall because it was founded on the rock. In this whole thing, I don't want you to think that it's us pulling us, ourselves up by our bootstraps to enter into this. Proverbs 15, 28, this is a verse that I dearly like also, and it says this, the heart of the righteous studieth to answer. I like that. In that new nature, my heart is to study. What is God saying? What is his desire? What does he want? What's the right path to take? The heart of the righteous studieth to answer. That's part of the new nature that we have in him. That we don't have to be pressured, we don't have to be intimidated, we don't have to fly by the seat of our pants. The heart of the righteous studieth to answer. And when you make that step, when you take that stand, I don't care There is no power, no power that will be able to take you down. And one thing is I find myself growing older and this is my final statement and that's this. In Psalm 90 verse 12 it says, teach us to number our days that we may apply our heart to wisdom. The verses around that have to do with death. Death. And you know, I thought in my life growing up, I was, I'd enjoy my kids, and I said, oh, there's plenty of time to enjoy my kids. They're gone. Where did the time go? Time has a way of disappearing. Joyce Meyer, <clears throat> she, would use, she would hold up a can of hairspray and spray, say, that's our life. It's but a vapor. It makes a point. I'll tell you, if I want to think about living, just think about death. I don't want to think about death, but what it forces me to do is it forces me to reevaluate the gift of each day and the gift of wisdom and how to apply myself in that day. Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Let's pray. Father, we acknowledge our dependence upon you. We lift up our voice to you as it says in Proverbs 2 we lift up our voice, we cry out to you for understanding. Lord, I pray, <clears throat> increase in our hearts to be intentional, to, pos- to intentionally position, to intentionally set aside time, to intentionally hear, to intentionally imply, and to intentionally Be faithful in the little things, and the things that you speak to us daily when you give us our daily bread. You are faithful, you are true, your ways are unsearchable. You know our sitting down, you know our getting up. You know before there is a a word on our tongue altogether. And what do you do, Lord? You hem a sin. On every side, and you lay your hand on each one of us. I ask this day that you would lay your hand on each one of us, draw us close to you, and like David said, such knowledge is too wonderful for me; who I can't attain to it. But you want to impart it. We give ourselves to you, Lord. We love you. We want to be good stewards of our relationship with you thank you for doing the heavy lifting thank you for making that way where there was no way thank you for redeeming restoring delivering making brand new and lord i pray that in all that is said today help us to be salt and to be light every place in which our foot shall tread that with our actions people will say what just happened What's going on? You set up the divine appointments. You order our steps, Lord. We surrender ourselves to you to that end. Your wisdom is flawless. Your wisdom is perfect. And we thank you, Lord, that where we are, that where we, are <clears throat> we can't, you, you see it all from beginning to end. We exalt you, and we pray, be glorified. Be glorified in our lives. Be glorified in our homes. Be glorified in our jobs. And to you be the praise and glory. In Jesus' name, amen.